Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined today by Nora Princiati. Nora, what's going on? Not much, Kev. Um, just hanging in there. Psyched to be in the throes of preseason. I have a, I have some preseason thoughts. I want to talk about your guys' sort of emotional reaction to, to NFL preseason games, but um, we also have Ben Solak, so I want to hear how Ben is doing first. What well. what just happened? Did you just yeah. take over the introduction? <laughs> that period? was amazing. I'm oh my sorry. god! I'm really sorry. Are we running RPOs I, I with this now? Doing where you it can while either... I was doing it. Yeah, you know, I know what you, what happened there because I've done it too. Is you started talking and you had a riff. You were going to riff there, and then it was gonna you take realized like three minutes. we hadn't said Ben's name. I wow. We're, we're platooning. Wow, this is a platoon. Okay, it's a platoon I like it. System. I like I got, it. I so like I ordered. Can I? T- I'll tell you one thing. Though. Okay, no, I got you, Chinese. you extremely want no, to talk about this. This is a different thing. This is okay, a different right. thing. I'm sorry. I got Chinese food this weekend, and my fortune cookie said something like, "You should be less assertive." <laughs> it was like you should choose te- like choose tender, choose tenderness more than you do an assertiveness less. And I was like, I think that's rude, honestly. And I'm going to not do that. Wow. Okay. Um, what we was are the off riff? to a great what start. What was the riff, Nora? Okay. So the riff is that, like, I think watching preseason games is like watching drunk people, like, interact. Mm. Where you're kind of like, okay, all of this stuff is really happening. I went to a Saints preseason game the other day, so... They turn the ball over six times. Yeah. So. Right well, my point exactly. Okay. Yep. Because it's like, it's real stuff that's happening. Like real people are doing it and it has the possibility to have like ramifications in their lives. But there is this kind of added element of, okay, does this really matter? Like everyone's pretty, you know, not in their right mind. And that's how I feel about preseason games. Is it's like watching drunk people. It's real, but it's a distorted version of reality. That didn't take that wow. long. Can we talk to Ben about how he's doing and just do I, I, a sort of general well, so introductory? I, I was thing. trying to get there until so you had your tight five there. Uh, ben, how are, you, how are you doing? Hi, everyone. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> thrilled, thrilled to be back on the show. This is particularly good because I, like, I've been on the last three. This is my fourth time on. And so the need to introduce me is not as like important as it was. But Nora really felt like she still had to go there. Uh, okay, I but also- it is like... 
Sorry, I'm talking too much. Oh my gosh, Nora! It's Monday cookie. morning, on, Nora. Cookie. It's too. It's too somebody early needs, for this. Somebody needs to write a book, not a real book, but like the proverbial book on what you do in the portion of a podcast where it's the start of the podcast and everyone's like, Don't. "Hey, Kevin, how you doing?" Because you're always just doing sort of fine. And what you're up to is that you're on a podcast and you're trying to do something sort of light and affable to introduce the the real content section of it. And it's it can be really daunting because, you know, how do you distill human existence? I think you're doing great. As it, as it currently I will say is this. into a, a sentence or two. I will say this. Whoever does that book, Gladwell, Eric Larson, Michael Lewis, uh, they probably won't get specifically tell you to do whatever you're doing right now, Nora. <laughs> Hey, Nathan Peterman, 29 of 39 for 249. All right. All right. Let's let's get to the podcast here. Uh, all right. So we're going to do, two, gonna do two, two different things here. Uh, we're going to do our big preseason takeaway, and then we're going to get to some, some new players in different places, uh, new faces in new places. If you want to put a buzzy headline on it, um, they're going to make a difference. Uh, but we want to start with having seen football, having seen preseason football for the first time in two years. I was strangely emotional going to Baltimore on Saturday night and seeing it all. And then that wore off pretty quickly because you realize, okay, Lamar Jackson's not playing, you know, Marcus Peters in street clothes. The the tight ends are in street clothes. Excuse you. I own a Trace McSorley jersey and I was thrilled to watch him play again. For what team? You own a Trace McSorley jersey. I said very foolishly on a podcast that if Trace McSorley, because he was like a TikTok star and we were getting questions about him and I was upset uh-huh. about that. I said, if he ever scores an NFL touchdown, I'll buy his jersey. And then lo and behold, against the Steelers in a COVID week in garbage time, Marquise Brown scores like an 80-yard touchdown thrown by Trace McSorley. And subsequently, I own I own two NFL jerseys. It's Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker, and Trace McSorley, the Ravens quarterback, third string. And both of them are because of things I said on podcasts. So I'm still learning the lesson slowly. Who Not knows what things. mistakes? Who knows yeah. what mistakes you'll make in the next 45 minutes? We will start then with you, Ben Solak. Mm-hmm. Give us your number one preseason takeaway. Uh, all the rookies can play, and it's very exciting. This class is super fun. Yes. And, um, the, the quarterback specifically, this class has always been super fun for several reasons. But one of the number one things was that we didn't have anybody really coming in with significant arm strength concerns. Mac Jones, a little bit, but it was more so like, oh, he's not elite. He's just like, you know, league average, and he's going to have to deal with that, right? Like, I was very interested to watch Zach Wilson because of all the training camp uh, reports that we've heard of him particularly struggling. And he was just gripping and ripping it. I mean, he had no concerns throwing middle of the field. He had no concerns throwing tight window, ton of velocity on the move, good job attacking windows. Jets offense looked fully functional. Offensive line is mm-hmm. horrible. But in terms of passing game designs, running game, you know, a variety, as you expect from a LaFleur brother, Bang. Like it, it was very, very nice to see Zach Wilson come out that confident. Justin Fields took a couple series, and then all of a sudden, we're lacing the ball downfield and we're throwing into tight windows against the sideline. And and especially contrasted with a guy like Tua from two classes ago, who very clearly still has some NFL velocity concerns, his ability to, to drive the football was awesome. Uh, and so Lance, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson all had their rookie moments. Lawrence's first snap was amazing because it was it was it was so quintessentially rookie pressure swallowed him up mm-hmm. twice as fast as he was used to and the ball got knocked free it's like holy smokes these guys can win in 1.5 seconds and find the football through your body like this is not acc football anymore so it was so quintessentially rookie but they all had their really nice moments and it, it reaffirmed an, a, once again as, as many things have over the la- over the summer 
reaffirmed that this class is it was a legitimately very good class. And I think we're going to see legit starts for Trey Lance this year, legit starts for Justin Fields this year, and legit play for definitely those those top four guys. Is there any quarterback of that crop that you do not feel comfortable with starting week one? If it came to that. I mean, no. I The, the one that yeah. came to mind is, is Mac, just because of how much the offense needs to help him. But it's clear that the Patriots are running the offense that way. And also, Mac is a good decision maker. He's a good thinker on his feet. Uh, Mac's always been very impressive with the little stuff, right? Like, he's got smart footwork. He carries the ball correctly. He manages the pocket right. So he's not even going to make, like, crippling mistakes even if the game is a little bit fast for him and then like sure is is lance as experienced as you want absolutely not but the adr touchdown is a perfect exemplar of like why you bring that guy into the building because you can draw up that play and and it always works on the chalkboard but having a guy who's a legitimate threat to run makes it more effective and having a dude with a 60 yard hose across the field is what's necessary to run right that big fake flood and then throw the post the other side of the field. So like, yeah, even if he's raw, if you can draw that up and Shanahan can has proved that he can since Robert Griffin III in 2012, then it's okay to live with the rawness because you're going to get unbelievable explosives. So yeah, in terms of like the bar for rookies, they're all going to take their lumps. They're going to have their bad early games, but there isn't one there that I, I believe strongly needs to sit in order to develop. A very funny headline this morning on Pro Football Talk, which is that Matt Nagy says they're going to get Andy Dalton more snaps. They saw Justin Fields and they said, said, we got to get more Dalton in. He said, we only saw six snaps of Andy. We have to see more. Matthew, (laughs) why were there only six snaps of Andy? (laughs) Well, it's because he had two drives and didn't pick up one first down. Yep. Ergo. Wow. Yeah. I want to go on record saying I am comfortable with six snaps of Andy. That feels We're sufficient all set. to me. We're going to be all We're set good. with six snaps of Andy. We're good. He, he, had our have, he could have generated many more snaps. It was his job, and he did not. So a couple things. Number one is obviously Fields did struggle early, and I, I thought that – so after the game, Fields said that the game seemed very slow to him. And I talked about this over the weekend, but Tony Romo was in a podcast last year, and he said that that's actually what he looks for in young quarterbacks is all he wants to hear. And if he's looking out for somebody who's special, it usually starts with a guy who sees the game very slowly and processes things in their brain very quickly. And field said that. And I, I, I too look out for that. And since I stole it from Romo, I stole that talking point from Romo. And so now I too look out for that. Uh, But none of these guys had, had really any issues. You know, it was funny because I was in Baltimore and I was watching New Orleans, and they played a very, very sloppy game. They turned the ball over six times. And Taysom Hill, after the game, was talking about Ian Book, who was obviously their fourth-round pick, and talking about why you know, he did not look all that good. And he basically pointed out, listen, it's a preseason. You're playing with threes and fours. There are guys you just don't – the guys are just not where they're supposed to be. Um, it's just a sloppy brand of football when you get to the threes and the fours in, in a preseason game, especially in the first week of the preseason, um, especially now post-2011 CBA where there's almost no practice time. And so a rookie playing well at all with whether that's the ones, the twos, the threes, and the fours, um, it shows me that there's at least a floor. If a guy looked good in the first week of the preseason, there's a reason for that. Nora, what's your first takeaway? Well, so I want to, my, my first takeaway is Justin Fields looking like someone who should start relatively early on. And I want to unpack a little bit more, uh, Ben's point about why someone like Mac Jones, who also looked pretty crisp and polished might be more likely to be the player who you're like, okay, yeah, he looks really good. 
probably moving towards um, feeling more confident that he could start early on, but why there might be some more trepidation about a player like Jones versus someone like Justin Fields, who just looked so much more dynamic than right. Andy Dalton. Now, obviously, it, it didn't take much given the six snaps of of Dalton that, that we got. Um, and Justin Fields was not perfect. He uh, seems like he has a, and this is consistent with college, held the ball too long a couple of times. He invited yep. pressure. Um, he had a fumble that was basically the result of, okay, yeah, uh, not nine times out of 10, but there are going to be some some times when someone as good of an athlete as he is is going to be able to get out of situations like that. Doesn't mean he should. And he's going to have to learn that. But overall, he looked... First of all, just calm and confident. Like you said, he said the game felt slow, but he gives them so much more dimension than Andy Dalton is. And I think this is one thing that I think is, is sort of hard for, you know, people like us, the, the football punditry, also for fans to recognize is that that's a positive mm -hmm. in terms of getting a rookie ready to start early because he has sort of optionality on the different ways that he can win and complete plays. I think there's a tendency to look at athletic quarterbacks and go, you have to take them along slowly because they're kind of learning to do two things at the NFL level. Whereas, you know, your, your pocket passer types, they just have to play the game as it's always been played. And it has to be simple. There really needs to be a shift on that because what it really is, is that someone like Mac Jones, who I also thought looked really good and particularly good within the context like what Justin Fields is dealing with, where, you know, the the veteran starter is not doing all that much to hold them off. Mac Jones still is going to live within a universe where mm -hmm. he's reliant on timing, crispness, yep. precision, and he doesn't have the safety valve of, okay, stuff starts going wrong. I have something else to rely on. I can impact yep. the run game because I'm such a good athlete. I have something else to turn to. And again, I think that tends to be a really hard thing to kind of internalize because it just seems simpler to go out there and, you know, take your drops, just, just play a type of football that we've seen quarterbacks be really successful playing for, for decades. But I think that Justin Fields' preseason debut was incredibly promising, even though it was certainly not perfect and rough around the edges in some places. I actually think it seems like there's this weird thing developing where you're either like obsessed with fields and think he's the second coming and he's perfect and he's ready to start week one and it's all going to be amazing. Or it's like the opposite of that, that I don't totally yeah. get. Like there were some so, rough moments. Go ahead. I don't know. No, I, I just, I, I also say the expectations are different. If you just compare Mac Jones and Justin Fields, the Patriots spent all this money in free agency. They went out and they got a two tight end set like the Belichick. They get Belichick back, right? Cause they didn't have him last year when they couldn't even practice. And the advantage of Belichick. And I, I, I think that the, with Justin Fields, all Bears fans want to see is hope. That's all they want. I, don't, I, I think if the Bears win seven games this year and Justin Fields looks cool and looks good and looks competent, that's all they want. Like I was getting texts from Bears fans' friends after like the third drive he had where they were like, this is the most talented quarterback I've seen in my lifetime. Right? And that's all they want. They just want to feel something. Bears fans want to <laughs> feel something. Patriots fans are in a totally different bucket. And so I think with all of these guys, I think Trey Lance in a different bucket because that that's Super Bowl caliber roster in San Francisco, and he has 
there's expectations that are higher on him as far as winning goes. I think Justin Fields is graded on a curve this year because it's the damn Bears. Ben, are, are you in agreement with that? Yeah, especially because of the offensive line, right? Which, like, right. Right. Don't, no, no matter who you put back there, you know, Dalton, Drew Brees, Danny Etling, like, there's going to be a ton of pressure if you're a pocket passer. Uh, and they had uh, Tevin Jenkins out with injury. Uh, I believe they had an, another starter who was absent with injury. I can't recall. Uh, on their uh, first team offensive line. And then they would then subsequently play like the second teamers with Fields. And so the offensive line was really, really rough and will be rough for the Bears this season. Fields is going to be able to give you the plays, the mobility to get you out of that. It's to Nora's point, which I think I think Nora said this before I was ever on the show, but it's it's the absolutely those, appropriate way. Those to were the days. It. Those were yeah, the days. The best times. Uh, we don't like days. to think about it. The before yeah. times. <laughs> it just hurts too much. Sure. Right. Quarterback mobility. PP. Pre Ben. Go ahead. Quarterback mobility provides a high floor, not a high ceiling, because it's it's more so the right. bad plays it gets you out of, i.e. sacks, uh, hits on throws, instead of the good plays it gets you into. Uh, Fields, mm-hmm. one of his first throws in the second half was they ran a lot of, of stretch action, right? A lot of under center, wide zone, boot action, right? It, it's San Francisco stuff, but it's also Ohio State stuff. He was running that at the end of last year with Trey Sermon in that backfield, the Ryan Day offense. And so they're running a lot of that for Justin Fields and appropriately so. He's running parallel to the line of scrimmage, and there's a zone defender that either has to step up and address the threat of Fields running, or he's got to sink back and try to get underneath a route. And he steps up, and Fields puts it right over him, first down throw 13 yards. That is the play that is not afforded by Andy Dalton, that is not afforded by Mac Jones, because nobody is as afraid as those guys when they get outside of the pocket. You watch Justin Fields score a rushing touchdown, and it starts to get into your head as a defender. And so when Fields says the game is slow, like he's always been a bit confident, uh, a bit yeah. at times lethargic in the pocket, in his process, in his mechanics, because he he knows he can drive balls late into windows because he's got great velocity. He knows he can survive hits because he's got a great build. And so he tends to go slow even when he doesn't need to. But when he says the game is slow, that's the sort of thing that in my head he's referring to because that decision was the same in college and it's the same in the NFL. And, and he can just hold that ball and just run along that, that line of scrimmage and just force that defender to make a choice. And once he makes a choice, make him wrong. And that's an easy decision. It, it's it's time. It allows Fields to hold on the ball and be successful. And so that style of play is, is what Fields gives you that just makes offense so much easier. One decision, 13-yard gain, new set of downs. You're just not going to get as easy of offense with a player like Andy Dalton back there. And that's why the floor is so high for a player like Fields. So yeah, the ceiling, the excitement, it's all there. It's great. But it's also the fact that he's going to keep you out of your bad plays. He's going to help erase the issues of your bad offensive line. That's why you want to get him out there so badly. Whereas, by the way, if you if if someone is as effect, you know, and I'm about to establish a really, really high bar to clear here. But if someone is as effective, a drop back pocket passer as, say, Tom Brady, that's the sky high ceiling because the passing game is still the most important mm-hmm. element of an offense, like absolutely by far. And obviously these things are connected. But if someone like Mac Jones the ceiling for Mac Jones has to do with if he turns out to be better at that set of skills, which are still the most important ones, it's good to be able to do both and it raises the floor. But if he is a better pocket passer by any sort of significant margin, that over the course of a career will be insanely valuable mm-hmm. to a team. It's just that, again, we're talking about we're talking about a ceiling thing Initial and the bottom yeah. can drop out if you don't have escape valves 
It's going to be funny, by the way. This happens a lot in the NFL. If if seeing the game slowly becomes an attribute that coaches like or that Tony Romo likes or that I like, um, a lot of times that then just everybody just starts saying it. Like you hear these stories from Nora. I'm sure you've heard this about like GMs and scouts where something will become really in vogue as a trait. And then when the like every single prospect at the senior bowl in the combine will just say that they have it. And so, like, now every quarterback is going to sit there in Mobile and be like, you know, I see the game very, very slowly. And coaches are going to be like, whoa! Uh, anyway, we love it. I can't wait for that. Well, the, I, I mean, the current that. one is they all talk about, um, like, off-platform releases. Yes. And attempting all different kinds of throws because of Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And right. is it 60% bullshit? Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, it's like 90% bullshit. Can I talk about one other quarterback that's kind of a rookie that we haven't talked about yet who is fun? I, I know who you're going to say. You have the floor. If Jordan Love is good, it's yes! going to be the funniest thing in the world. That's going to kill me. Okay, so firstly, this is the first time Jordan Love has ever worn an actual Packers jersey, right? So congratulations to Jordan Love, who has only ever Big worn photo, photo op jerseys and the red jersey in practice because he was never active during game day and there was no preseason last year. And so you looked great, looked sharp, helmet looks good. Shout out Jordan Love. Uh there are like Vikings and Bears fans, it's Lions fans, whose entire living memory is the Packers having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That's it. That's their whole living memory. And if love is good, they'll just live their entire life with the Packers having three quarterbacks, all of whom are good, which will be amazing. Now, love at Utah State, right? Uh, uh, you know, run and gun. Actually, not run and gun. It's, it's air raid style. It, it's pistol. It, it, it's gun sets. It's quick throws. It's easy looks. It's open sets, whatever. This is the first look in the Matt LaFleur offense. It's condensed sets. It's play action from under center. you got to turn your back to the defense. you got to be able to throw on RPOs, three-step, five-step, seven-step drop. Like, it is polar opposite different from what he did. And with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, two training camps, kind of asterisk for the first one COVID year, and now his first preseason opportunity, he looked very comfortable, more comfortable than I anticipated. He had a couple of very, very nice throws off of under center play action, which is a difficult thing to execute when you have no background in it. He was very aggressive pushing the ball downfield, which is nice to see because he started out a little bit checked down heavy. And then he was like, you know what? Like I've been a gunslinger my entire life. I'm going to go be a gunslinger in the preseason. Who cares about Aaron Rodgers? Who cares about narratives? I'm going to go play my game. And he was rewarded with a couple of really, really nice explosive throws. The Texans played their ones, which we can discuss how good the Texans first string defense is relative to some other second string defenses. That's a legitimate conversation, unfortunately, but the Texans were playing their ones and out there running the whole Lovey Smith okay. defense. We need, let's put, let's yeah, put ones in that, huge that, quotation marks. I, I said, I put the disclaimer. As the Texans are playing their ones, which is the best defense they could have fielded possible against right. Jordan Love with the people on the roster. Uh, he had the Tampa two-hole shot to uh, to Jay Sternberger. He had the, the, the Devin Funches deep dig off of play action. Very, very nice. The one thing that remains for Love that was there in Utah State and is still around is that his pocket management is mm-hmm. uh, 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 horse with blinders a little bit. You know what I mean? He had a strip sack. He had multiple times where he hitched into a hit when he didn't necessarily need to. He just goes through his process and the pocket's clean, nice. If it's muddy, sucks. Uh, and so he has to learn a little bit how to work that pocket more, which, which is going to come with experience. He's going to have to play to, to develop that. But hey, he's going to play all preseason, so that's nice. Uh, he <laughs> was better than I would have anticipated. And especially given like, the mental constraints on his very unfortunate role. I could have seen him like really lacking confidence and he did it. And I thought that was admirable. And so 
if you are Brian Gutenkunst, and this is your first time ever putting Jordan Love out there on the national stage, you do kind of like whoo, <laughs> wipe the sweat from your brow a little bit. Like he, yeah. he looks like a guy who legitimately has something at the NFL level, which is important for Green Bay for obvious reasons. Hey, Nora, I want to ask you. So Sean McVay has made it clear none of his stars are playing in the preseason. Brandon Staley has basically taken that and is, is running with it. We're going to see less and less stars. Big question, but do you think preseason matters for these guys, or is or do you just want to see the young guys get trotted out there against the Texans once? <laughs> All right, well, you brought the Texans once back into it at the end of it. Big picture, yes, I think preseason matters. I, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really, really important to keep a close eye on how teams are handling this and understand, like, for instance, I later on this podcast am going to have a relatively positive take about the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings sat 31 significant players and looked yeah. like absolute crap mm-hmm. in their preseason game. Mm-hmm. I think you really, really, really have to know those things, pay attention to them, understand that they matter. Teams that start their entire backup offensive line, it's really going to make a difference for whoever's playing quarterback there. So uh, with all that said, because I think it's important to recognize and and keep track of because not all preseason games are created equal. Mm -hmm. I think this stuff does matter because Mm -hmm. it is the only opportunity these coaches have to evaluate people. The preseason exists for a reason. Training camp exists for a reason. It's an imperfect environment in which to make calls about players, but it's also the exact environment in which every team is making decisions. And it happens every year. And yes, there are things that get blown way out of proportion. And I think that's in part because, look, the training camp in the preseason is largely about who's going to make the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. And because it has the same tone, there's no other way of communicating these things that people see during preseason than the same way in which we communicate, you know, takeaways and developments over the course of the regular season. A breakout receiver in training camp getting lots of hype ends up feeling like, oh, my God, this guy's going to go to Canton someday. And in reality, it's just, hey, this guy who was undrafted or a six round pick or whatever, he's probably going to make the roster. Like, I I remember trying so hard to communicate that to people about Jacoby Myers. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, Jacoby Myers is not like the the greatest thing since sliced bread here, but he's going to make this team and contribute. And I think that distinction is really, really tough. But, you know, I'm I'm using Patriots as examples because that's my fluency. But Malcolm Butler was great during training camp. Like, these things are not invisible to people. So, yes, I do think that you have to understand that not every preseason game is created equal. But, like, for instance, I thought Mac Jones's preseason debut, it reminded me a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo's. Is Jimmy Garoppolo the greatest quarterback who ever lived? Absolutely not. Is Jimmy Garoppolo a competent, you know, starting caliber, Mm -hmm. middle tier player who was a decent pick for where he was drafted, particularly at the most important position in the game? Absolutely. So like you just have to temper it appropriately. But yes, like it wouldn't exist if it didn't matter. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off and also celebrating the people who drink Crown Royal during games. I know I like to have some around whenever I'm taking in a basketball game, an NBA game. Always good to have around. And Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. All right, let's get to our new faces segment. Ben Solak starts out. Okay, so I went for, I, I didn't want to take any of the big drafted quarterbacks. I didn't want to take any of the big free agent quarterbacks. The only quarterback I took with whom I will open is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, hmm. Long time NFL journeyman. Uh, I keep wanting to call it like a late career resurgence, but it's really just a surgence. There was no first surge that has been followed by the second. There were some, just, there were some mini surges, I would yes. say. There were some In blips. Bu- Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I feel like he surged before. Yeah, I think you don't, that, right. you, don't, you don't remember this because you were born in, in 2013, but it's <laughs> I just real like, heads, old right. heads, old heads. Yeah, Ben, that. do you remember what was it, the 2015 Jets? <laughs> old head. Yeah, yeah. Old heads. Remember the uh, the brief Buffalo blip. Where were you? <laughs> I just I think, right. Like most of the time it's like, oh, he had flashes in his first season. And then in his second season, he really manifested. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, like he had flashes in his first 13 seasons, you know, and I like that his career arc has kind of been that way. But Fitzpatrick uh, enters the Washington football team camp and preseason and season as the undisputed starter, which is awesome because uh, he's often had to kind of jerry rig his play style into offenses built for other players as coming in as a backup or rookies or whatever, as he's talked about. Uh, so this is a little bit more built towards him. Uh, mm-hmm. I am in the camp uh, of guys who believe that, that you know, the Washington skill position are set for, for, for some good offense. I think you have a big step forward from Antonio Gibson. They're running back in year two. I think they have an extremely fast wide receiver core like Logan Thomas. Like Scott Turner, the offensive coordinator, I think their offensive line is going to get the job done. We have all the pieces in place. Uh, and then instead of being able to be big on the veteran quarterback market or trade up for a quarterback, they elect to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so it's a, a safer bet. Doesn't preclude them from going to get a young guy, going to get a big trade guy next year or whatever. But I do think it is a good bet because we have seen this these streaks of really successful Ryan Fitzpatrick play. He fits the modern NFL and he gets rid of the ball quickly, but he also doesn't deprioritize explosives because uh, he gets rid of the ball so fast because he's willing to throw a 50-50 ball down the field. He's willing to throw a vertical ball against one-on-one coverage, boom, the second he sees it. And that decisiveness prevents sacks. 
Yes, it invites interceptions at times. Yeah, I was going to say, de- decisiveness yeah. towards 50-50 balls is not always a good thing. Right, and, and he's a high interception player, and we know that about him. But if you're going to throw the ball quick, usually you're getting six yards. Ryan Fitzpatrick can get you 15. And that explosiveness is the is the trade-off, is the exchange with which we take that higher interception number. So, yes, maybe more volatility you want for a quarterback with a playoff run. But to me, uh, Washington's defense was clearly ready last year. They carried that team to the playoffs. A young uh, uh, offensive core that, assuming they take a step forward and then they get Fitzpatrick, much more stable quarterback playing than they had last year, even for his volatility. To me, Fitzpatrick is the straw that stirs the drink for like a Washington football team NFC's division title, which I think would be super fun. Uh, might put them in a weird spot long-term team building wise, but I do think it's possible if Fitz continues to be what he's been, which is like at times a quarterback who can go toe-to-toe and beat some really good offenses and shootouts. And so youth got to step forward, but Fitz, I think, is the right guy to get them there. He's such a good uh, locker room guy. I'm excited to see him in Washington. Are you making the call on the NFC East? I think Washington wins that division. Uh, Dallas's offense is great. Uh, when Dak was healthy, I still thought it was Washington with Dak, you know, it's not a setback and it's not a reason to worry, well, but he's so getting D- another MRI. Uh, D- Dak I, is yeah. uh, practicing on a quote limited basis today. I don't know what that right. means in training camp. Aren't it's we all? If right, Aren't if Dak is a hundred percent healthy or seventy five or whatever it is, I think Dallas's defense is prohibitive to uh, winning a, a division. I just think we need a sound effect for a uh, for like Ben sneaking in division predictions. Well, he oh, wasn't here. He hasn't done. All of the rubrics we did over the summer, we have no idea how many teams Ben thinks can win the Super Bowl. We have no, it's just, it's a mess. We haven't done over-unders with Ben. We're going to have to work that stuff in through the next couple of weeks. Everything in the pre-Ben era is thrown out. Ben, Ben. I have can the, six can teams the football the Super Bowl. Would you like to give them very quickly? Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, Rams, Green Bay Packers. That sounds right. I had yeah, like nine. Right. Cleveland's yeah, too young. San Francisco's I have, too young. I have the or memory of a goldfish, and so I don't mm-hmm. remember all of my teams, but I think I had nine. And Nora had like 20. No, Danny it, Kelly no, had like Danny, 20. Danny, oh, Danny no, Kelly. No, 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 Danny had the Falcons. Danny was like, I am a person of refinement. Yeah. Sorry. Danny was like, if everything breaks right, the Jaguars can win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Speaking of, hey, any Trevor Lawrence takes? Backdoor Jaguars take. Yeah, Nora. We are our Jags correspondent. Uh, is is your number one new new face in a new place? Tim Tebow's blocking. I actually don't have any Jags on my list. I'm sorry. No, but life finds a way. Is what I'll say about that. You will think you're talking yeah, about that's... something else, and somehow you'll end up talking about Trevor Lawrence. Did anyone? Does anyone care to talk about Trevor Lawrence? He looks good. Yeah, I uh, I think that what I the main thing you noticed from that offense was that it brought in a lot of collegey things, which was yeah. nice. Urban said he wanted the tempo up. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, which I'm not surprised that the tempo was a little bit slow for Lawrence, like getting in play calls and whatever, you know what I mean? Kind of getting himself set, looking at defenses. It's all a lot faster. Uh, the first like three targets went to LaVisca, which Nora, he's going to eat. We're excited. We love to see it. Um, I'm yeah, snapping. No, Lawrence, I don't know Lawrence, if people can hear that. He absolutely looked good. It's just, yeah, his process was slow relative to NFL speeds, which 100% standard for first preseason star. Absolutely no reason to panic. Even if like Zach Wilson, I think looked a little bit quicker on the uptake. Uh, perfectly fine for Lawrence. Anyway, yeah, Fitz, my first guy that I think is a, is a big deal going to a new team. I'm excited for him. Nora, number one. Uh, so we already talked about Mac Jones a little bit, but yes. uh, he was my first one. I just want to add one thing to that discussion, which is beyond what Mac actually looks like executing the plays, the thing that I think is significant is that the Patriots are so clearly 
just trying to throw the kitchen sink at him and put him in as many situations as possible. So uh, there was a um, there was an incompletion that Bill could have challenged at one point, and it just seemed oh, yeah. like his preference was to put Mac in the situation where he had to try to get um, complete well, on third down. He also said, "quote I didn't feel like challenging it," which is an amazing yes, preseason, which Bill is incredible. Quote. And Love it's it. also towards the end of the game, Bill seemed like really pissed at Ron Rivera for like taking thirty seconds and something. Bill just wanted to get home. Bill had a ferry in Nantucket to catch. Um, sure did. That's not true. Uh, it, it might be, but true. it just. Who's to say? Uh, it really seemed like they were making a concerted effort to, you know, go up tempo with him, mm-hmm. do some stuff in the red zone, put as much as possible on his plate. They kept the starting offensive line in for him. So they were giving him, you know, stable platform. Let's see what this actually looks like. I really, really, really think that that is an open competition. Mm-hmm. Actually, like stepping back from saying who I think is going to start or when, because I think they don't know, because I don't think Cam is doing all that much to to hold Mac off. And the arrow is clearly pointing up. And, you know, that's a team that cares about situational football more than the vast majority. And it, it just seems like they want to see him keep that quick release, keep processing in a way that's encouraging in as many situations as possible. So I I think the sort of the returns on Mac Jones are not just from how he's playing himself. It's also, I think you can read something into more than you can read into, you know, the little things that Bill says at the podium, you can read into the situations that they're putting him in. Yes. Um, I, I I think, Bill with a rookie quarterback to me is one of the most fascinating things that we've seen in a long time and what he says and whether or not, as you said, like, is there, is there anything he's going to, so many coaches are so worried about what they're going to say about a rookie quarterback at the podium. And Bill Belichick is just going to say, we'll see. And then just move on. Uh, Ben, number two. I have, uh, in terms of, I have only one rookie and I just, everything coming out of Dolphins training camp is that Jalen Waddle is just going to be it in terms of offense. Now, I was very excited to talk about Waddle. And then in in the preseason game against the Bears, Waddle really wasn't featured too much on offense, which I don't know if we're like trying to hide that we're going to use our top 10 pick at wide receiver on offense or something. I don't, whatever. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like they're like throwing it to like Jakeem Grant in the slot. It's like, all right, we did this last year and we decided this wasn't enough. So we got that guy, put that guy out there. Anyway, so I, I, I'm not sure why Waddle wasn't as, featured in the first preseason game for the Dolphins, which was a bit of a surprise for me. But from what you're hearing and from what you're reading outside of camp, Waddle is going to be pretty much the guy in, in that mm-hmm. Dolphins receiving room with, with some Devontae Parker and Will Fuller injuries. He's had the opportunity to take on more outside receiver reps and get more, more volume, and he has apparently responded to it. Uh, the the thing here is that watching Tua again, uh, if second season, first preseason game was a, a stark reminder, as I spoke about earlier, yeah, mobility's definitely back a little bit. He's moving a little better off the hip surgery. Expected, you know, ankles weren't fully healthy as well. This is awesome. Uh, decisiveness is good. Aggressiveness is good. You know what I mean? Like, he's comfortable hanging in the pocket for the extra beat. There's Mike Kosicki on the over route, throwing him covered on cover of linebacker. That's what we want to see. That's pro stuff. He's always been a good decision maker. But the arm strength is just not going to carry him. Like, he tried to throw late over the middle of the field in the red zone, which is the cardinal sin. It's what... Quarterback, like the first thing you tell your quarterback, you don't do this. A lot of quarterbacks in the league can get away with it nowadays because they got hammers to it is not. 
Uh, and so he tried to zip that thing in there and it was picked off, could have been picked off by three different guys. He just does not have that monster. So you're going to need to live with short targets and yards after the catch to get your explosives. And I think that Chris Greer knew that. And I think that, you know, uh, uh, why do they have co-offensive coordinators? I can never remember either of their names. God, George something and Eric Studesville. This is Chris unbelievable. It is unbelievable because you're not the first person to do this. Warren Sharp did it too. The erasure of, of, of Georgia Tech football. To George not Godsey know who George Godsey is. Okay, it's, can we just establish that it is George Godsey is the yes. other? I always want to say I always want to say George Godfrey, and it's, it's, it can't be George Godfrey. Okay, I, I'm begging you people to respect ACC football. Okay, I'm begging you people. Uh, it, you can it's going to be a no for, for me, dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep, keep that going. Go Canes, baby. Uh, I think there was an acknowledgement in the brass for the Miami decision makers that if Tua hits. It's still not going to be, you know, vertical shots to Devontae Parker. That cannot be the bread and butter, the, the third down go-to of our offense. We have to have a guy who creates. And Jalen Waddle is the creator. The one thing we did see from him in the game against the Bears was the punt return, which, like, you know, Adam Amin, shout out Adam Amin, was hyping up. He's like, yo, Jalen Waddle's about to return a punt. You're like, all right, Adam, chill out. And then it was awesome. And you're like, all right, cool. Like, this guy really has the juice. Uh, and so he's going to be so critical in terms of getting the ball creative ways, but also slant third and seven you got to yep. be able to catch yep. that survive contact and go yep. pick up nine yards on so waddle a very exciting addition to the miami offense which i've got a little bit of faith in this year nora next all right so i i mentioned that i was going to have a there was an incoming vikings take i think the vikings secondary i I cheated on this because i chose both patrick peterson and bashad breland um my okay. overall take is that i think the Vikings secondary might be like kind of fine the reason that I wanted to talk about this so much is because Mike Zimmer is so funny. Like, I, I just, I wanted a venue to say that I think Mike Zimmer is hilarious. He's been a delight this preseason. He is so grumpy. He is so fabulously grumpy. Maybe the new play, face in a new place is just completely unhinged Mike Zimmer. Pro-vax Mike it's Zimmer. Unhinged Zimmer takes? Yeah, the poor halftime reporter. He's coming out of the locker room. Third quarter's about to start. Mike, what'd you tell your team? Uh, that we were bad? That we yeah. did bad things, bad at football, and I hate all of them. Whoa! He's, he 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 sat the vast majority of his players, and then was just like, "You're all trash. You're all <laughs> terrible at this. You did terribly out there." I love Mike Zimmer so much. I just wanted, I really, honestly, like this is not a backdoor Jags take. This is a backdoor Mike Zimmer is awesome take, but. That harkens back a little bit to the end of last season where Mike Zimmer was also basically just like, this is the worst defense I've ever been a part of. I hate you all. Um, again, the man is a just a just a treasure. Uh, however, I do think that the the upgrades that they made to their secondary are are meaningful. They're not yes. that high profile, right? Because Patrick Peterson has had some rough moments lately, but I think in in a scheme where he's gonna he's not gonna have to win man to man anywhere near as much as he was asked to and is going to get to live in zone a lot more. Freeland is a very competent starting caliber, you know, second cornerback. I think that's that's a good player to add to a secondary. And when you have a good coach like Mike Zimmer, who also happens to be a delight, I just really do not think that that can be overstated. Have you ever interviewed Mike Zimmer? Yes, I have. It's deeply terrifying. It's not a good experience for people like me who want to get really philosophical and broad with yeah, coaches, 90% no. 
of coaches are all in and just we'll talk about concepts and stuff. And Mike, Zimmer, I'll be like, hey, Mike, you know, if you, you know, with the advent of the spread, does anything change with defense? And so just go, yeah, maybe. I yeah, he it. just like blank stare at you. No, but I, I love it. I'm like, I deeply respect what he's doing, which is just not going anywhere philosophically with me, except like, are these guys, is Harrison Smith going to make this tackle? That's all he cares about. Literally the only, yes. that is the single thing that Mike Zimmer cares yes. about in the entire world. I love him. Um, me too. Anyway, my basic take is that having competent players on defense is enough for Mike Zimmer. And I think that he can work with that. And I think it's going to be good. And I think he's probably going to say, um, you're all terrible a little bit less, which is great. Ben, Vikings expectations. Do you have any? I think that the first year offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak and perpetually milk toast, Kirk cousins are going to deliver truly a, and this would be the greatest test of Mike Zimmer's patience with the Vikings brass and the Vikings organization. Like, I know they did the whole Kellen Mond in round three thing, and it's like, whoa, Mond is, uh, uh, I, I don't have a ton of faith in Mond developing. It's a four-year starter in the SEC. Uh, so, you know, you've kind of, you've had your reps at this point. Uh, and so I don't know, I don't understand what the future is supposed to be in Minnesota. And angry Zimmer, I think, could, you know, make a bit of a ruckus about that in terms of internal discussions with Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota, even if they win games this year, again, it'll be Zimmer's defense kind of lugging them to some ugly wins. And I just think that at some point he's got to get frustrated with how that offense has just been mired for so long. All right. If you don't, if you don't want to respect Trent Dilfer's Kellen Mond is great take. I'm going to let you be on your own there. Then that's on you. There are a disturbing number of Kellen Mond is great takes that I find relatively unfounded. Um, Chris Sims is on that bandwagon, I believe, if I'm not yep. mistaken. He was the name um, one, first one I was thinking of. <laughs> Trent Dilfer also has some interesting takes over the past few years on quarterbacks. So we're just going to put that one aside there for a second. Ben Solak, what's next? All right. So my last one is my, my uh, you know, indulgent football nerd one. But I, I'm with everybody. Browns are going to be good. Love it. It's going to be great. I'm with everybody. Add everybody to the defense. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, second round pick, linebacker Notre Dame, looked mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was great. You just said that incredibly fast. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. Say Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa again. That's so. So when you're like a draft guy, like you're the first guy who has to learn how to pronounce their names, so you can say it right, so that everybody else picks up on it. So like in August, I just repped Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa for a long time. So that way you could say that it was quickly. electric. Yeah, I love it. Either way, he was a fun player in college. He looks like a fun player in the pros. It's great. We had John Johnson. We had uh, Greg Newsom, first round pick corner. It's awesome. This entire back seven is extremely young. And they're going to try to do some new things this year with Joe Woods, the, the defensive coordinator. Sure. And there's there's a lot of moving parts and changing pieces. And the overinvestment at corner is great, right? Troy Hill, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, bang, like that's awesome. The overinvestment at safety, Grant Delpit, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison. It's great. Like it's the right way to do it. But you need a steadying presence who can get all of those young, new bodies, most of whom I've not really interacted with one another, on the field, lined up, and successful early. You need the veteran. You need the bedrock. To me, that's Anthony Walker. He's a linebacker from Indianapolis. A lot of people yep. don't really. They love him. They, but yeah. they love him in Cleveland. They love him. Yeah, and, and they loved him in Indy. And Colts fans, uh, I watched Darius Leonard after the extension try to get a vibe on him, and I walked away so impressed with Anthony Walker, which is a very like regular thing for me. Like I go to watch him on one guy, and I've watched somebody else. Walker was just so rock steady, and Colts fans told me immediately, "Yeah, but he's terrible in coverage." 
on third down, when they blitzed one linebacker and left another one in coverage, they didn't leave Leonard in coverage. They were blitzing Leonard, and they were leaving Walker in coverage. They had enough faith in him to do that. And is he the, the quickest and the spryest and the longest? Absolutely not. Uh, and so, yeah, he is not an ideal coverage background. That's why you have Jeremiah Wusukuromo and Sion Takitaki. So that Walker doesn't always have to do that. But in terms of block deconstruction, in terms of play recognition, in terms of reaction to motion, reaction to changing sets, pre-snap recognition, Walker's the exact sort of guy that you want in this building. And so it's very much a straw that stirs the drink idea. The big pieces are going to be written about Andrew Barry, and they're going to be written about Jeremiah Wusukuromo, and they're going to be written about Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward and John Johnson. But Walker is integral. If that all ends up successful, a large part, especially in that linebacking core, is going to be the presence of that veteran. He's a very cerebral player. Chris Ballard has said, I think going forward, I guess two years ago, this guy's going to be a coach. This guy could be a general manager. Like he is that football mind, and we loved him in this building. They weren't able to extend him, slash chose not to, whatever. Uh, the all, all the better for the Browns. I think he's an extremely important guy, uh, skeleton key, you know, kind of keystone for them here as, as they try to turn over this defense so quickly in just one year. Unbelievable stray at my Andrew Barry piece I'm writing. Oh, are you? <laughs> Listen, it's a good signing. It's well done, Andrew Walker. He's doing everything right. Wow. Um, I'm gonna read it. It's gonna be good. I, I need to. You gotta. Re, you gotta hit the RT now for that. You just got yourself a an RT. All right. Um, Mark Long, who who covers the Jaguars, has this update. Um, Chason is being held out of practice because he doesn't have full pads. He's now changing. Follow up tweet. Pads issues have carried over to the O line, where it looks like Cam Rob- Robinson has refused to change his pants after four other offensive linemen did. Is this what? your king, Nora? <laughs> is this your king? This, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Wa- this is an incredibly bad look. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ready for change his pants. That one just caught me. I was I was thinking a lot of different things. He won't change his pants. It's like that little kid who like has a favorite pair of red shorts like you've worn these four days in a row, like covered in ice cream and dirt. No! Hopefully there's more context uh, by the time this podcast comes out, but that's all we got now. Mark Long has not tweeted an update in 10 minutes, so Lord <laughs> knows where this is t- taking a turn. I'm going to tweet at Mark Long and say, Blake, please keep us posted. Please give us the play-by-play here. Wow. I need this not to be an issue. I need the Jaguars well, not to have trouble like, putting it sounds their pants like, on. It sounds like it just literally one leg at a time for Jacksonville One leg right at a time, boys. Can't even get you there. can do it. They cannot even get there. Nora, what's your last one? Oh, that's, oh God, you're going to make me pivot from that. Oh boy. Okay. Well, someone who can put his pants on one leg at a time, um, Greg Rousseau of the Buffalo Bills. Oh, really impressive uh, preseason game against the Lions. Backdoor cane pressures in a sack. Um, Yeah, he opted out. (laughs) Poor Kevin. <laughs> you go back to our canes and he fist bumped, and Nora and I just fell silent. No, and then Stop I said he trying to make out. fetch happen. It's not gonna happen. Oh, my backdoor Jags takes are gonna happen, even though they can't put their pants on before the backdoor canes takes are gonna happen. Uh, but anyway, so people probably even I bet fans who were not even watching full preseason games but were on the interwebs saw clips making the rounds. Um, particularly he had a, he had a sack that came against Panay Sewell, which that's a great thing to see, right? In your first preseason mm-hmm. game against a, a highly drafted lineman. Um, but I do think that 
you know, and we, we had the conversation earlier about how much you take out of these preseason games, but he looked great. And I think the more significant thing is that, you know, the Bills defensive line looked really good and they've invested in that for the last couple of years. Obviously, they, they spent the first rounder on Rousseau, used the second on Carlos Basham, also looked good. They've also got AJ Epinesa in there. And this, I just think in, in general, is what good teams need to do, right? Is you you thrive off of your consistency and mm-hmm. the ability to keep things mostly in place from year to year, but then identify where, you know, even if it's not a weakness per se, where there's room for for marginal gains and then really try to make them. Because I think one of the biggest questions for the Bills last season was beyond Jerry Hughes, sometimes it was unclear where the pressure was going to come from and who was going to be winning at the line. And I think they've made real investments in trying to do that. And it's just the type of thing that because we've seen this defense in recent history be really, really, really good, but defense is not particularly stable. And on a year to year basis, it's just, it's hard to say whether a group that has a good roster is going to be decent middle of the pack, not get all the bounces or be truly elite. If some things go their way and everybody comes together, I think they have done everything that they can or most things that they can to put themselves in a position where if they do get some of the bounces, they could be an elite defense again. And I thought that was about as impressive of a preseason debut for someone playing that position as Mm. you can have, how significant that is, you know, reasonable minds can disagree, but I found that really encouraging both because of how good he was, but also because of what it would mean for, for their defense. Ben Silak thoughts. Uh, right. My, my favorite part of the Greg Rousseau draft discussion was always like, Oh, he's super raw, right? Like he got a ton of his sacks with effort sacks and, you know, a lot of it was stunts, games and twists. And like, he's got great tools, but like, he's just going to need so much development. Well, six, seven with wings, like translates, you know what I mean? Like big, long, strong is big, long, strong, no matter which way you slice it. And, and, and yeah, NFL is a different caliber, but that's going to show up because that, I mean, he's got measurables, you know, stuff you can't teach uh, as a coach would say. That's number one. Number two, you're still allowed to call like slants in the league. Like it's not just like a college thing and you're allowed, not allowed to do it anymore. So like Rousseau's the sort of player you can get stuff out of in year one. See, does things and succeeds on things and effort is also great like joseph osaya to sack against tristan Wirfs, Bengals twitter went nuts it was mostly the right guards fault but like osaya got that sack because he was just hair on fire for the entire snap yeah. like that's that's a great part about rookies is that they tend to play like out of their minds a little bit uh i had a funny moment watching that bill's defense where i've been watching the packers defense i was like oh they're doing some brandon staley stuff you know joe uh, uh joe barry coming up that's great and then I went to watch the McDermott defense. And after a few snaps, I was like, oh, they're doing the same old, same old. Then I was like, wait, the same old, same old works really, really well. Yeah. And they've just really started to pour a lot of resources now into edge rush for that last spot that they need. So I agree. Uh, it's it's not unlike the Browns secondary. We're going to throw AJ Epinesa, Gregory Rousseau, and Carlos Basham at the problem. Somebody, God, please, somebody rush opposite Jerry Hughes for us. And we're going to have this thing handled. So there's a couple things here. Number one is that I actually talked to... Brandon Bean about this particular issue a couple of weeks ago. And I'm always intrigued. And I've actually asked a few GMs who have kind of almost gotten to the Super Bowl the last couple of years, this same question. When you're evaluating, I asked Mahomes the same question as well. But when you're evaluating the season, do you look at your last loss or do you look at the entire season? And for Mahomes, the answer was just the Super Bowl. 
right? Mm-hmm. And for Bean, the answer was pretty much just how do you beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game? And the answer for them was pass rush. They they did not want to draft two pass rushes early, but then the board fell to them. And that's all they want to do. And you get the feeling in talking to people in Buffalo, whether that's Bean or whomever else, that pretty much their team building is based around beating the Chiefs. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's really interesting to me because I don't, I don't think that there's really any right answer on that. Maybe in, in while chasing beating one team, you might open up holes somewhere else. But I also see with that roster and the way things have, have shaken out and the fact that, as you said, Ben, they're one of the very few teams who we know can absolutely win the Super Bowl. Um, I think trying to team build to beat the Chiefs is important. And Greg Rousseau to them is a big part of that. Colts did the same thing, right? I was they they also didn't plan on two edges, but they lost that Bills divisional round game because Josh Allen had a time to throw of like nine. <laughs> he couldn't get anybody on him, right? And then Allen obviously can make the first guy miss. So Quiddy Pay in round one, and then oh shoot, Deo Diango just fell to us in round two. We're gonna make that pick. Even if he can't play that much in year one because the injury, we need to improve this position because we can't beat our top AFC contenders without improving the pass rush, right? So yeah, it's you always you build to beat your division, and then once you beat your division, you start looking at the conference. And you start trying to answer that question. I would also say if you're the Bills right now, that is that is the right answer. I would say if you're a worse team, that's not the right answer. So the Texans yeah. famously, yeah. the Texans famously took Mario Williams. And I, again, that was a better pick than Reggie Bush. But famously, their whole thing in the front office, and I talked to them years ago, is when I was the Wall Street Journal, but they were like, we chose Mario Williams because we wanted to be Peyton Manning, right? Okay, well, you got to do about 50 other things before you yep. can beat Peyton Manning. It's not the one guy. If you're looking for that one guy to be able to beat Peyton Manning when you have nothing else, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. But if it's little edges and you think that you can get to Patrick Mahomes if you take two edge rushers early. Um, and they, by the way, they really liked the guy from Iowa, AJ Espineza. 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 Yeah. But they liked him coming on later in the season being told mm-hmm. me. And so that that's kind of why they didn't want to take two edge rushers. But if you think the difference between winning and losing against the Chiefs in the AC Championship game is pass rushers, I have no problem selling out to do that. Yeah. Two things. One, the other part of this is that one of the benefits of having an infrastructure like the Bills do, and particularly with, in this case, a defensive-minded head coach who's also just a really good teacher you probably have a slightly higher hit rate with guys who are a little bit raw and who need to be coached up. Like I really trust that coaching staff to do that. So mm-hmm. that's, it's another way in which sort of winning compounds itself. A lot of the time in the NFL, uh, second thing, we have another tweet from Mark long. Uh, somebody oh, quote God. tweeted his tweet about cam Robinson refusing to change his pants and said he refused to, why is he still on the field? Who exactly is in charge? Uh, Mark, quote tweeted that response and said it was a hard no from cam who can afford the fine people are now getting fined over this shout okay, out I don't understand. So, cam Robinson, so john maybe. john reed who also covers the team says that it's a new rule by urban meyer all players should be dressed in full pads chase on was pulled to change into practice pants with pads three others had to switch to so urban urban body so i think cam robinson is just rebelling against this rule that you have to be in full pads. This is this is what I understand from from reading the two leaves. It just does nothing. I have more clarity on the issue at hand, but I have less clarity 
on what's going on in Jacksonville. Because so, there's no way they're hitting tonight because it's, it's between preseason right, games. Right. Yeah. So I think what he's saying is you, you, you're, we're going to go out there in pads and do a non-pad workout. <laughs> huh. This is incredibly upsetting. <laughs> huh. Uh, Nora, why don't you take us out on a positive note? All right. Well, we were going to go to our highlight reel again and talk about some things that were good this week. We're going um, from the low light I'm, reel to the highlight reel very quickly here. I'm a little bit upset, uh, but Ben, you want to lead us off? Give me a chance to collect myself. This is the nice things that happened. Give me a nice thing that happened. Something you're happy about, something you're excited about, a recommendation. I just want some positive vibes to okay. pull me out of the trench of Jaguars not wearing their pants. Uh, I went to a fish boil this Saturday. That was fun. Uh, Ooh, blueberry. You didn't miss. You didn't miss any preseason football, did you? Yeah, I missed. I missed the oh, whatever the four God. o'clock game on Saturday was. Oh, I missed no. part of that. And then I, I watched thought, it back that night. Thought we, uh, Nora, I thought no, you were I thought committed. The grind never stopped. Yeah, we thought you were committed. That's why we brought you in. Uh, it's a fish. Grind boil. stops for a fish boil. All right, tell that's us about the fish boil, Ben, and a blueberry festival. Oh, uh, now that's now now we're in a different bucket here. Blueberry yeah, festival, absolutely, absolutely so we, the right we, call. We bought a blueberry pie. Uh, and then it was a good fish boil. Ooh. We were the only people there under the age of like 70 who weren't there with yeah. their parents, but that was a good vibe. Uh, I learned the difference between a pie and a cobbler as well, uh, which I didn't even, I thought they were What's just the, the, same, difference? the same thing. Tell us. Cobblers don't have like pie crust at the bottom. It's just filling right into the dish and then crust on top. And so then when you cut into it, it just like, is, it splooges, forgive me. It just like, right? But then a pie like actually has filling at the bottom. And so it's got yeah. like more structural integrity. Um, so, so yeah. a cobbler doesn't even have anything uh, on the bottom layer. I was aware that the, that a cobbler does not have crust on the sides, but it doesn't even I, traditionally I'm, does not have anything below. Beneath. That's what I was told by the 85-year-old woman who sold me the, the blueberry pie. And I mean, I trust that sourcing. Yeah, so wow. she seemed like she knew everything in the entire world. Pie versus cobbler, though. I need you to pick a side. Pie, because the, 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 the crust is Structurally yeah, sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started watching Titans on Hulu and it's good. So if you're a comic book nerd like me, I was pleased with it. This has been my time. Wait, I'm sorry. I have one more follow up. Fish boil. Yeah. Is this like a, a crawfish boil? Like, are we talking shellfish or is this? No, nah, so this is a big Midwestern thing. So it was steelhead. Uh, you just take the, the 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 steaks, the actual steaks of fish. You throw them in. And it's like a crawfish boil. You throw them in a pot, right? You throw them in a bunch of stuff. And then you get like onions and potatoes. And like, you know, there's just like a giant vat of, of fish steaks doused in butter and you just take as much as you want it's a, it's a good time okay that sounds pretty solid not yeah. gonna lie to you Twas please the grind can be paused temporarily for for those purposes yeah it's a good pause uh all right for me i i came home after three weeks in the road wrote letter of recommendation going home and being in your yep. abode well domicile um i actually on the camp tour read monty burke's biography of nick saban and I thought it was very, very, very good. And it gave you, I, I just don't think that there's a lot of good college football books. Um, and I was actually looking for some a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't really find any, but this is a good college football book. A very good one. Um, just a lot of nuggets. And especially when you consider how many different eras of football Nick Saban has been involved in, like there was an anecdote in there that Bobby Bowden knew his dad and his dad passed away and Bobby Bowden just gave him a job offer sight unseen. Like didn't even really know Nick Saban, but it was like, yeah, his dad's cool. Like seems mm -hmm. like we should hire him. Uh, and he didn't end up taking it. But you know, even things like or in the middle of the book, they talk about how when he was at a, either, I it was kind of early on um, that 
in the Alabama tenure that he basically begged out of a Houston game, a non-conference game, because he didn't understand the spread offense. He was just like, these splits are crazy. I don't want anything to do with this. Get these guys off our schedule because it's not even going to help us with other teams. Then, of course, a handful of years later, he's he's running that and he's hiring guys based on that and all that stuff. And obviously, mm-hmm. how much that stuff has changed. So I, I really liked it. I thought it was an interesting book. I think that coach biographies can be tricky. There have obviously been some very good ones um, that I'll probably talk about in other segments uh, that, that, that we do here. But I, I thought that was a very good book. All of Kevin's book recommendations are going to reveal just how few books I read. Every week, I'll be like, I started a new TV show. And Kevin will be like, here's the third biography I've read this month. Your boy reads reads quite a few books. It's one of my things. I respect it. I wish I had things. that level of attention. And I just simply do not. Well, you should try audiobooks. I do. I listen to audiobooks when I fish. And I like that a great deal. But I, 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 I always wish I read more so I could like go back and take notes and kind of be more attentive. Whereas the audiobook is kind of just like, a bit more background but noise than actually. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna zag here. So I, on the flip side of that, I read these books, but then I feel left out. Like I don't even know Joe House the other day, who I'm seeing tonight. He, uh, he's talking about the White Lotus. I had no idea what he was talking about. Like I do watch like big television events, but like I've never seen mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, White Lotus. I'm out on. Haven't even caught up on Ted Lasso. Like you gotta. There's a push and pull, and so I actually probably haven't left even out. Caught up on Ted Lasso. There's I haven't probably, seen any Ted Lasso. There's probably a lot uh that i'm missing out on because I'm are you allowed to say you haven't seen game of thrones and then remain employed by the ringer so i, gonna, I also have not I'm seen gonna, game of thrones. i'm gonna i'm gonna uh peel back the curtain here um the uh i don't know anything about game of thrones and so i've talked to aaron Rodgers about it a handful of times and so every year i do it i send a panic text to mallory rubin and i'm sure. just like give me talking points so that i will sound smart about Game of Thrones. I've done it four times. I did it last week. And every single time Mallory comes through and I feel like an absolute genius. And does Aaron know this or no? I, I've i told Aaron that that's okay. not my... I was about to not, say, that's if he finds show. out you're a poser, you're a That's fake. not necessary. We don't really talk about it that much anymore. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit because of the spinoffs the other day. Um, but it's not really... It's not really my thing. I know. So my wife is obsessed with it. And so I've seen I don't, to say I haven't seen it is wrong because I've it's sort of been on in the background sometimes mm-hmm. while I'm sitting on the couch and probably reading a book. Um, but uh, the 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 uh, the actual like nitty gritty of it, like I know what the Red Wedding is. I know what happened to Jon Snow. I know who won that sort of stuff. I have like a Wikipedia level uh, Except knowledge of the show. Yes. Don't people don't like a lot of people who actively watch Game of Thrones also kind of not know what's going on? I think so. Uh, Nora, yeah. what's your thing? All right. So my rec- by the way, I am in between you guys. I read some books and I watch some TV shows. I just wanted to say that uh, my recommendation. Dads. Like, so, OK, I've been Pardon? kind of under the weather for dads just dads. Well, I, I heard dad what you stuff. said I heard what you said but I'm intrigued so I am I am I've been under the weather for a little over a week um basically because I don't have even though I don't have COVID it's understandably difficult to get into a doctor's office if you have flu-like symptoms right now um yeah. I, everything's fine but been sick for a little bit I'm also in the process of moving and my wonderful father has just been in like full on dad mode. Like he drove a bunch of my stuff to from Boston to New York 
and was just like just dadding it up a lot. And there, you know, I'm I'm 27. I'm an adult. So we're having dinner and I was like, thank you for driving all my stuff. Like, let me get dinner. And he's like, you are my child. I'm getting dinner. I'm like, you're just really in dad mode right now. And it's really great when your dad is in dad mode. So I, I highly recommend. And also thank you, dad. My dad sent me a panic text over the weekend because he just found out that a guy he covered and a guy he knew really well, who was, a, I think, Hubert Humphrey's lawyer is Alex Bregman's grandfather. And he was Alex Bregman, <laughs> the baseball star of the Astros. And he, I have no idea how he found out this information or why. Like dads love finding stuff out that happened 40 years ago, connect to now. And so he was extremely happy to share this information. So that's my that's my that's my dad update. I met one of my dad's students. My dad uh, has about 12 total students in a class. And I was like, hey, it, I met is, this. Is what, what is he a high school? No, my, my dad's a priest. He teaches at a seminary. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. You say students. So you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Right. And so I was like, hey, I met him. Like, do you remember this guy? And I was like, nope. <laughs> 12 total students. <laughs> teaches a class a semester. Dude, that's so sick. Your, your dad's dad over likes, it. Your dad likes connections 40 years ago. My dad doesn't remember people he met last year. My dad is a uh, professor at UCF, a history professor. Oh, and cool. he can he oftentimes gets college football stars who are in the draft in his class. And my dad's favorite student of all time was Shaq Griffin. That doesn't surprise me. The Griffin brothers are awesome. Yeah. 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 He had the uh, strip on uh, Justin Fields. That was him. Chase time. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. This has been the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thank you to Arjuna Rampapol and Isaiah Boyfleet for production help. Next up on this feed is probably us on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit Honda.com slash Prologue to learn more.